Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well-being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hey everybody, good morning and welcome back to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. This is your host, Jessica Tai. Very happy to be here with you guys this morning on this gorgeous sunny day here in Cincinnati, Ohio. So it feels like spring has sprung here, which is um, probably deceiving because if you live in this area of the country, then you know that we have been in the 60s and um, yes, even the 70s. I think we've broken some records here in the last week or so. But if you uh, hail from this area or you know this area at all, then you know that winter may arrive uh, momentarily. <laughs> so, um, But I am enjoying this weather while we have it. So today we are in episode number 34, and we have a very special guest for you today. I'm super excited to share him with you guys again. This is his second time being on this podcast. If you don't know who he is, do not follow his awesome YouTube channel or follow him on social media. He's got a great Facebook presence. Um, he's on Instagram as well. It is none other than Dr. Ken Barry. And if you haven't heard his uh, original podcast on our interview, I'm sorry, on this podcast, you should go back and listen to that one as well. That was episode number 22. And we talked about in that episode, I was interviewing him specifically with, about the new release, the release of his new book, Lies My Doctor Told Me, Medical Myths That Can Harm Your Health. And uh, that was back kind of toward the latter half of last year, 2017. But in this episode, we're going to be talking about women's hormone health, pregnancy, infertility, breastfeeding, all of that, and how the ketogenic diet can play a role in that, and how some of the kind of medical myths that you've heard out there um, really are just that. They're medical myths, and we're going to kind of talk about that today. So I'd like to go ahead and welcome him to the show. All right. So welcome, Dr. Ken Berry, to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We're so happy to have you on here today. Thank you so much for having me back. Yeah, this is great. What an honor. I get to have you on here twice. So how are you doing and how's everything been going in your world since we talked to you last? Well, it's been very, very busy, but good. That's my favorite kind of day is busy, but good. Yes. And I've had one of those today. And uh, pretty much everybody, every day has been busy and good since you and I talked last time. Uh, the YouTube channel's kind of exploded a little bit and the the book's doing well. And so I've got all these irons in the fire so to speak and so i'm trying as 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 hard as i can to not drop one you know what i'm saying <laughs> yes yeah yeah you have irons in the fire i have plates spinning <laughs> <laughs> you have plates spinning that's right exactly yeah yeah so yeah i know what it's like to try and keep those puppies going don't let anything drop absolutely Absolutely. Well, that's good. Yeah. Busy is good when it's a good busy. And I have seen that your YouTube channel has just exploded. I wish I had more time to be on YouTube, but um, I actually was watching a couple of your videos this morning. I don't get to get on there very often, but I was getting ready for this morning before I left uh, for the day and was had your YouTube video on. I actually watched two of them. They 
you know, one right after the other, but had them while sure. I was trying to get ready. <laughs> so I kept like glancing at my little phone while I'm trying to get myself ready listening to you. And I'm trying to think which was the first one I listened to this morning was, um, um, oh, you were talking about exogenous ketones. Yes. And, and then another one was you were talking about um, your top seven keto uh, tips or tricks or something. I didn't get all the way through that one. I had to go. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I made a few people mad with the uh, exogenous ketone video. But hey, you know, you just call it like you see it and tell it like it is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you have to. And yeah, I'm sure you did. I thought when I was watching that, I thought, oh, man, yeah. <laughs> he's going to be in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, I'm no stranger to controversy, and I'm not afraid of it one little bit. If I can help somebody who's just starting this this wonderful way of eating save some money, then I'm going to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I thought it was good. They were both really good. I Like I said, I didn't finish the top seven keto tips that you need, but that was really good what I heard on it. And um, so if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, you can go, um, Dr. Ken Barry has a YouTube channel. It's a Ken D. Barry MD on um, YouTube. Is that right? That's correct. That's what it is. Yeah. So um, we'll put links in the show notes to that so people can find you. But he has really awesome videos tackling all kinds of different topics um, through there. And you also do book reviews, right? I haven't watched one of those yeah. yet, but I saw that you had that on there. Yeah, I have done several book reviews and I, I'm probably going to put a few more book reviews up. Um, not as many people like those as they like my other videos, but I feel like that that's really something that I should keep doing. I think that's a service that a lot of people would really appreciate if they would watch some of the book review videos, because mm -hmm. I, I'm kind of like you. I don't recommend any product or any book unless I absolutely love it yeah. and unless I absolutely think it's going to be number one worth the money and number two is going to change your life. I don't recommend anything. And so I think as people watch my YouTube videos and, you know, watch my Facebook stuff and then read the book, they're just going to know this guy is not going to bullshit me. If that's he says right. this is good, I need to go ahead and buy it on Amazon right now. Yes. And, I, and that's and because I just don't, I'm not going to do any kind of affiliate deal or any kind of collaboration with anybody unless I 100% believe in what they're doing. Yeah, good. Yeah, because actually I thought the book um, review things, like I said, I haven't got a chance to watch one yet, but I saw some of the books that you had reviewed and I thought, oh, that's awesome. I would love to see what he has to say about that yeah, because I do yeah. trust what you say in your opinion because you you really don't hold anything back and you do just tell it like it is and I love that about you. Yeah, and I think that's the way Every doctor should do it, obviously, but I think everybody should do it that way, but especially a doctor. I mean, dude, if you've got initials behind your name, if you're going to waffle and, and, mm -hmm. and you know, kind of cut corners, you suck, man. You should not do that. I mean, that's, you yeah. know, that's that's just me. I'm just going to tell you. <clears throat> and so if I read a book and I'm like, yeah, it was pretty good, then you're not going to see a review on my, my YouTube channel about that book. But mm -hmm. if I read a book and I'm like, boom, yes, that's good information. That will change people's life then there'll be a book review on my channel. What about a book that you read and you're like, this really sucks. This was awful yeah. information. <laughs> See, I've got a, I've got a stack of those. And yeah. You got to watch I, it. Nisha, right? Nisha and I talked about that and she's like, you know what? You've got so much to say. And I think she meant that in a loving way. I'm not sure. She said, you, <laughs> I'm sure she you've did. got so much to say. You should just keep it positive. And so, mm -hmm. so far, 
that's what I've done. But I've got a stack of books that if I'm ever feeling really negative and want to go there, I've got a I've got a stack I could review negatively, but I haven't done that yet. You know what? I think that's a good philosophy though, and I agree with Nisha. That's that's smart because really there's enough negativity in the world, right? So right, let's just talk right, about the right. things that are positive and that are gonna help build people up and if if it's no good, let's just ignore it, not talk about it, move on and really praise the ones that are great and are gonna help people and especially in this whole ketogenic thing going on right Absolutely. now. I mean there is so Yeah, there's so much. much positivity. There's so much good stuff yeah. in this. And I tell you, Jessica, I really feel like we're getting close to a tipping point. Mm-hmm. The ketogenic diet and lifestyle and way of eating is not mainstream in America. It's not even close mm-hmm. to being mainstream yet. But I really feel like we're getting close to that tipping point where it's just going to take one more interview, one more YouTube video, one more person sharing this stuff on their social media until it's going to the doors are just going to burst open and everybody's going to hear about this wonderful way of eating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think you're right on. Well, hey, before we get um, too into this uh, interview and some of the topics that we're going to talk about today. Can you just remind everybody kind of who you are, where you practice, just kind of, and and maybe a little bit about how you even came to be in this whole ketogenic realm? Like, you know, you are sure. a doctor, but why keto? So just kind of tell sure. our listeners a little bit about that. Absolutely. So I am a board certified family physician. I've been practicing for a little over 13 years now, I think. Uh, I um, am board certified in family medicine. I uh, started out just in a regular family practice. I recommended the American Diabetic Association diet and the American Heart Association diet to patients when I first started my practice because I was stupid and I didn't know any better. Mm. Uh, A few years into my practice, I I had gained a lot of weight and my hemoglobin A1C number was elevated. My triglycerides were elevated. I was basically a fat uh, ignorant doctor who would go into the patient's room and try to tell them how to eat and live a healthy life when I wasn't doing it myself because I didn't know what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And I secretly thought that all these patients were non-compliance. Like, well, they're obviously not doing what I'm, what I'm telling them. If they would just eat the ADA diet, they would, their blood sugar would get better. Right. And now looking back, I think, God, what an idiot I was. Right. And so when I got so fat that I just couldn't take it anymore, I got, I got short of breath trying to tie my shoes one day. And I thought, that's it. I can't, I can't live this way. And so I really just went back to school unofficially and got an unofficial degree in human nutrition mm-hmm. and human health. Because in medical school, we're taught virtually nothing about human nutrition and human health and human prevention. That's not really something that we're taught about because, you know, so many of the medical schools get huge grants from the big pharmaceutical houses that everybody is. And I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think it's unconscious. I Mm -hmm. think, you know, if your paycheck depends on you believing something, then you're more likely to believe that. And I think that's the way it is with medical school professors. They know they just got this huge endowment or this huge grant from Pfizer or Merck or whoever. They're going to be a little less likely to talk bad about their drugs. I Mm -hmm. think that's just human nature. And so I had to go back to school. I had to read a ton of books I mean, a ton of books, probably literally uh, a bunch of books. (laughs) And so I started out looking at the Atkins diet revolution, which is is high fat, high protein, no, you know, very low carb. And then from there, I read a book by Mark Sisson called The Primal Blueprint, which I still recommend is a great place for people Mm -hmm. to start. 
Then I read a book called The Paleo Diet by Lauren Cordain, which I still recommend is a great place to start for people. And then, and so I was paleo for a few years and I immediately started to lose weight. My numbers started to go back to normal. And, but it was only when I discovered the ketogenic diet that I was really able to, to hit it out of the park and get all my numbers back to normal, get my, my waistline back where it needed to be. Uh, and then just the mental clarity, the, just the, the lack of dandruff anymore, the lack of heartburn anymore, the lack of uh, achy joints anymore is just amazing. Mm -hmm. And so I never recommend anything like this to my patients before I try it myself. And so after I'd been keto for about a year and was like, dude, this rocks, this mm -hmm. is the best ever. I started recommending, recommending it to patients who are very morbidly obese, very, very overweight. And, and I didn't recommend it. I recommended the paleo diet to just regular folks. And if you are terribly overweight, I would say you need to do keto, man, because you'll lose weight so fast, but yet still in a healthy manner. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where I'm at now. And I, I have a small clinic in Hamden, Tennessee, kind of middle west Tennessee. And I've actually, since the YouTube channel has been doing really well, I've had people come from Ohio, from Missouri, from Alabama, from two or three states away to see me in the office because I'm now doing medical coaching on uh, an app called eVisit. And it's just an app that's on iPhone and Android mm -hmm. that you can, it's just like FaceTiming with me. And I can, you know, I don't give medical advice unless you've seen me in the office, but mm -hmm. I can give you a ton of medical coaching and really turn your life around on eVisit. And so a lot of people have driven because they also want me to manage their prescriptions and other things. They've driven to see me in Camden just so they can e-visit me and I can, you know, refill their prescriptions and order tests and stuff like that for them. But uh, that's so awesome. that's kind of where I'm at now. The, the clinic is bustling. It is busy. Uh, and, and I love what I do now because when I give people medical advice and, and, and nutritional advice, they actually get better. And, and it's hard to understand for somebody who's not a doctor. A doctor can go through his entire career as a doctor and not have a single patient truly get more healthy. Mm. And it, it, it bogs you down mentally and it makes you depressed. And you may not be clinically depressed, but it just kind of sucks going to the office. And doctors in the, in the doctor's lounges in the hospital will talk about, you know, the whiny, you know, complaining patients and, oh, they never do what I tell them. And they're all fat and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And it's like, dude, have you ever stopped to consider maybe it's the advice you give them? Maybe that's why they feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's huge that you looked into all of this on your own time and realizing that it was something that we, that was missing in the in, in the medical intervention with people. Yeah, like it was this, my fault. Yeah, this it wasn't whole the nutrition. patient's fault. It was my own ignorant fault. I was giving them information and advice that was ignorant. And so, of course, they weren't getting any better. For, of course, they were miserable. I was telling them to eat more whole wheat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, they they felt terrible and miserable, and of course, their blood sugar kept going up because I was giving them terrible advice. Yeah, yeah. So now you're starting to see that turn around because you're giving people good advice, and they're making some they're making these changes, and they're seeing some some good um, outcomes from this now. Yes, that's incredible, and I think that's just awesome to hear that. So one of the things, or basically the topics that I want to talk about today. And the reason I wanted to have you on here is I wanted to have a doctor that could um, give us some information about 
fertility and pregnancy and those types of things around the ketogenic diet? Because I, yes, get, a, I get a lot of questions from um, women, uh, mostly, <laughs> um, but a lot of questions regarding this. Like, is it okay to be keto if I'm trying to get pregnant? Is it okay to be keto if I am pregnant? What about breastfeeding? Um, you know, they want want to know if this will help them overcome infertility. Yes. So, yes. Um, so I just wanted to kind of talk about that today. So one of the biggest things is it just seems like infertility is so common. So do you see that a lot or do you, you know, what are kind of, what are your takes on that? What do you see as the biggest causes for this? Infertility in a woman who is otherwise appears to be, you know, the right age and healthy, in my opinion, is at epidemic status in mm -hmm. America. I think that it's never been like this before. There was always that one friend you had who, you know, had trouble getting pregnant or could never get pregnant, but never was it multiple friends of yours who mm -hmm. were going to the fertility clinic. That's just not something that used to happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm, let me let me preface everything we're about to talk about with three things. Okay. First of all, you have to understand that the human being has been on this planet for hundreds of thousands of years. And and the fact that you're listening to this podcast today <clears throat> as a listener means that you are the product of an uninterrupted, successful reproduction of thousands of couples. Mm -hmm. You And a lot of people have never thought of that before. But think about that. Every single grandparent you've got back to the beginning successfully reproduced or you would not be here today listening to this podcast. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two, the ketogenic diet is the diet that most of humanity has eaten for most of our history, going back hundreds of thousands of years. Okay, only mm -hmm. for the last 60, 50, 60 years have we been told that a high-carb, super low-fat diet was healthy. Mm -hmm. Never in the existence of humanity has that diet either been recommended or eaten ever okay even for people ten thousand years ago who lived right on the equator and fruit was always ripe they still ate a paleo if not a ketogenic diet right. on most days right yeah. now the next thing is there has never been any research done showing that the standard american diet is safe for a pregnant woman to eat you heard that, right? There has never been any research that shows that the standard American diet is safe for a woman who's breastfeeding to eat. Mm. Okay? there, And so so now, we didn't used to have this infertility problem, but now that everyone has eaten the standard American diet for the last 50 years, we now have this infertility problem. Mm. And so what do you think is causing it, right? Right. That's a very, that, okay. very good point. I like that. And so maybe there's some chemical involved, you know, chemicals we're exposed to. Maybe there's mm -hmm. toxins in the environment. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But the one thing we know for sure is that every woman who's trying to get pregnant and can't has for at least some large percentage of her life eaten the standard American diet. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's very telling. Uh, you know, don't be, don't be, if you, and so in medical school, we're taught this little saying, if you hear hoofbeats, don't look for a zebra. Right. Mm. Which means don't don't try to find uncommon things. Look for the common thing mm. first, because if you hear hoofbeats, 
that's a horse mm-hmm. unless you're in Africa. Right. And it's probably still a horse, even if you're in Africa. Mm-hmm. And so we can all be talking about candida and, you know, toxins and mercury and, and ester, you know, uh, uh, estrogenic things. But really, number one and foremost is you got to look at your diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I, the number one thing. That's great. Mm-hmm. I, t- I totally agree with that. And I think that's, and not only is it the standard American diet, as we think of it with the grains and, you know, the what, six to 11 servings of grains we're supposed to eat and all that type of thing. Right. But I also think about the the way that since like the 80s, the whole low fat fad came in and that has just hung on like. I mean, we just cannot yes. kill that thing. Like, no, absolutely not. And that's so. I, to me, that just seems so crazy. Like, so many of the women that I talk to and I work with have such a really difficult time just mentally overcoming that low fat hurdle. They they just just the thought yes. of eating fat is just terrifying. And they want to overcome. They want to because they know, and they have done so much damage to their bodies over the years. And that's the very woman that I was speaking to when I said those two things I said earlier. Mm -hmm. There is no research that shows that it is safe for a woman to eat the standard American diet long term. Mm -hmm. And a lot of women are like, what? Well, why would my doctor recommend that? Because what else is he going to recommend? Right. The American Heart Association diet. There's no long-term research that shows that it is safe to eat long-term. Mm-hmm. You see, and what I'm trying, what I'm kind of doing is I'm kind of saying things that people say about the ketogenic diet, right? Which is also, which is also true. There's no long-term research that shows mm-hmm. that the ketogenic diet is safe to eat long-term, or safe for a pregnant woman to eat, or safe for a lactating woman to eat. But there's also no long-term research that shows that the SAD diet is safe Mm -hmm. either. There is no research that's ever been done like that. All this is one huge human experiment starting back in the 50s. They they thought low-fat was the way, and so they recommended it. And it Mm -hmm. was based on no meaningful research. It was based on no uh, honest research. The research done by Ansel Keys was he absolutely cherry picked his data because mm-hmm. he was a vegetarian and he thought we all sh- should avoid animal products. And so he skewed his data. And so we really have no meaningful data on what the correct diet is that we should eat. And so people who are afraid of the ketogenic diet because there's no research to back it up should be reassured when they find out to know that there's just exactly the same amount of research backing up the standard American diet as there is backing up the ketogenic diet, which is none. Right, which is a great point because we all just, you know, follow that like a little good little soldiers and say, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to eat whatever I'm supposed to be eating that the government's telling me I should eat and my doctor's right. on board with. And, and you exactly. don't question that. We don't question right. that. But as soon as we start thinking about something else or we hear, well, maybe this diet might be a little bit better for me to be eating – and, and then all the, like you said, then people will say, well, there's no, there's no research backing that up or, you know, I don't think that's going to be safe for you or whatever. And then we're just, oh, okay. Okay. But nobody says, well, wait a minute, where's the research that says the standard mm-hmm. American diet's okay. <laughs> there, exactly right. None. I mean, a, actually, none. I think there is some research because we're living in the middle of it right now. I mean, that's like right. You in said, the middle of the obesity yes. epidemic and the insulin resistant epidemic, exactly. the childhood, I just posted on my Facebook page today a graphic about the the what childhood obesity has done over the last 50 years and it's just it makes me want to throw up 
right. that doc- doctors still mindlessly go into patients' rooms. You know, kids, mm-hmm. overweight kids, and they're like, dude, you just got to eat more whole grains, drink lots of fruit juice. And mm-hmm. if you're going to eat pancakes for breakfast, make sure that it's whole grain mm-hmm. wheat that you're eating and use agave nectar instead of just syrup, you know, cause that's better. <laughs> and it's like, they're just destroying these poor children's kidneys, mm-hmm. pancreas, their heart. I mean, these poor kids are going to have co- coronary calcifications by the time they're 10 mm-hmm. based on this ignorant advice that pediatricians and family doctors are giving them. Yes. Yep. I agree. I mean, if it, if it was working so well, then why are we here? Why why exactly. why why are we in this mess that we're in? Because we've been following pretty darn close what we've been told to be eating for the last fifty years, and, and we're in worse point, shape Jessica. than ever. That's, that's a great point. Let me say something about that. There has been research done about compliance, and no, we're not. We haven't followed the standard American diet or the ADA or the AHA perfectly, mm-hmm. but we. But America as a whole has done a pretty darn good job of getting saturated fat out of their diet and Mm -hmm. eating more whole wheat. When you look at the research, yeah, we have done Mm -hmm. pretty much what we've been told. Mm -hmm. And and our reward for that is an an epidemic of obesity and type 2 diabetes Mm -hmm. and heart disease. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to cure that, but it's actually worse now than it's ever been. Yeah. And infertility. Right. Exactly. So, I mean... It's crazy. So why do you think the ketogenic diet would be able to help women that are trying to conceive? So if we if we believe, which we do, and I think most people listening to this podcast don't believe the standard American diet is the right way to go. But if they're right. trying, you know, they're kind of thinking about the ketogenic diet or there's a, a woman that's thinking, you know, maybe I'm going to give this a shot. What do you think it is about the ketogenic diet that might help with that? So one of the most common reasons for infertility, and it's not the only reason, but is is polycystic ovarian syndrome, Mm -hmm. which was misnamed at the beginning because it really has nothing to do with the cysts on your ovaries. And you can have polycystic ovarian syndrome without any cysts on your ovaries at all. Mm -hmm. But we're just going to call it that because that's how we refer to it. It is, there's no quicker way to give your child or to give yourself polycystic ovarian syndrome than to feed them the standard American diet. And so now that a woman's in her 20s and 30s and she's got PCOS, right, Mm -hmm. from her diet, what's she going to do about it? Well, the first thing she should do is definitely not continue eating the diet that gave it to her. But is there some genetic component to that? Probably. But my my guess, my educated guess would be it may have 5% to do with having polycystic ovarian. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think a good 80% is diet mm-hmm. related, but there is probably a genetic component. I don't argue that, but that's, you can't just say, Oh, well, I, I've got the genetics for it. So I'm just going to eat whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to never, never get pregnant. It's doing that. Mm-hmm. So the human body is not going to let you reproduce in an environment where there, it's a bad environment, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are studies done back in in Germany and Austria when when they're when people are under just tons of stress, and it can be psychic or mental stress, but it can also be dietary stress. Your body's just not going to let you reproduce mm-hmm. because there's no environment to bring a child into, right? Mm-hmm. So with that being said, the ketogenic diet is the diet we've eaten for hundreds of thousands of years. And like I said earlier, the reason you're sitting here listening to this podcast is because. You are the product of, of successful reproductions all the way up until you. 
your parents, when they were kids, didn't eat the standard American diet, right? And, and they may have eaten it in their 40s and 50s and 60s, but when they were in their, their childhood, mm-hmm. that was before then. They ate the old way. Because yeah. if you went back into the 1920s, if you went back in time and you went to just some housewife's kitchen and you said, hey, look, this is the diet I eat. What do you eat? She would be like, well, honey, you shouldn't eat that. That'll make you fat. Mm-hmm. She would know. She would know the standard American diet would make you fat mm-hmm. because in cook cookbooks back in the teens and twenties, it says if you're you know if you're getting a little fluffy, cut out the breads and cakes and and sugar. Mm-hmm. It's easy. That's how easy it is, right? But but so she would not have eaten that as a child. That's why she successfully had you. But now you're you're stuck. You got polycystic or something else. Mm-hmm. And so absolutely the ketogenic diet, the full fat, because fat tells your body not like nothing else that you're in a good environment that that there's there's food there's plenty you're in a time of plenty it's a time to reproduce Mm -hmm. and i don't know if you've ever seen it or not but dave asprey of bulletproof fame he actually has a ice cream recipe that he he calls get some ice cream yes that's 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 a have you seen this and it's like so so full of fat that and his wife is a physician and, and I don't know if there's any research to back up, get some ice cream, but it has such an awesome name that I'm for it. <laughs> right? Yes. But, but literally, he says, like, it will put you in the mood and you're more likely to have a reproductive, you know, uh, uh, cycle because of all the fat in that ice cream. And I think he's probably onto something there. But I think if anything is going to wake up a, a, a woman's system in her ovaries, it's going to be a high fat super low carb, medium protein diet. Yeah, I agree with you. And actually, while you're speaking of uh, Dave Asprey, I actually do have that um, book that he did with his wife, uh, Lana, The Better Baby Book. Um, Yes, I love that book. Yeah, I actually got it to send to someone that, that I know that is struggling to you know, with infertility right now. And he definitely talks a lot about the types of things that we're talking about here today. <laughs> and um, so if you're listening to this and you and you guys listening and you're like, man, I, you know, where am I going to get all this information con- you know, condensed? The Better Baby book. Um, yes. Dave and Lana Asprey, highly recommend that. So, okay, that is, that's good information. So I know you're saying it's definitely about diet. Uh, there has a lot to do with diet. I totally agree with that. Do you think there's other factors that we should know about or that a woman should know about or, or her husband or should know, you know, Hey, we're trying to conceive. What are some other factors that we need to be thinking about? And, you know, are there other things that, that go into this? Yeah, I think, I think there's multiple factors that go into this, but I do think that the 80% is diet. And so I tell my patients in the, in the office, don't be focusing, spending your time and money on something that's going to solve one or 2% of your problem, right? Yes. Focus on the 80%. And so a lot of people will come about the ketogenic diet. They'll want to talk about this expensive supplement that's made out of, you know, uh, ox blood, you know, whatever, whatever. I'm like, yeah, that's great and all, but let's go back to the diet because you don't have that under your belt yet. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I I pound on diet so much. But yeah, I, I think there's multiple factors there's another book that I did a review on called Estro Generation, Estro Generation, hmm. written by a doctor at the Mayo Clinic about all the estrogenic things in our environment. Basically, every plastic and everybody knows about BPA, right? You know yeah. about the water bottles and don't drink that. Well, in this book, I found out and I didn't know this. Anthony Jay is the Ph.D. who wrote the book and he taught me this. 
there are all these other plastics, BPS and all these other plastics that are just as bad. But BPA has got all the press. So that's what we know about. Yes. And so a, cor- a corporation will immediately say, oh, our plastic is BPA free. Right. But when you read this book, you realize that that's really irrelevant because there's five other plastics in there that are right. just as bad that you just haven't heard about yet. And so I would I would recommend any couple who's trying to get pregnant, you need to drink and eat only out of glass or metal and not aluminum, but but metal, stainless steel mm-hmm. or wood and, and a wood that's been pro- properly treated. You never, ever drink or eat anything out of plastic. Mm-hmm. If, and so like heating up coffee in a styrofoam cup in the microwave is mm-hmm. my definition of infertility. Yes. Like if you if you want to lower your testosterone, keep doing that. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, never, ever heat up food in plastic. Take off the plastic wrap before you heat it up. I mean, I think plastic in the fridge is fine because we got to live our modern life. But if it's if it's any warmer than room temperature, like a bottle of water that's been left in the vehicle, mm-hmm. no, throw that crap away. Do not drink that, and do not let your kids drink that. Yes, that's a great. That's so a great. So I, I think I, I think those things are huge. Never ever eat any food or drink any drink that's been in hot plastic or even warm plastic, because it the 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 estrogenic particles leach out into your food, mm-hmm. and you know an estrogen dominance low T low and with your progesterone messed up that just messes everything up. Yeah, you cannot reproduce if your hormones are just nuts, and so if you've went through multiple cycles and you've tried everything you know to try. I think it's fine to go see a, your OBGYN and get referred to a fertility specialist, get all the testing done. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that stuff is worthless, but I'm saying if you go that route, even they can't get you pregnant if your diet's not right. It's going to be more difficult. You'll have to go through more rounds. Everything is worse if your diet is wrong and you're exposing yourself to all these plastics and all this crap that just messes up your endocrine system. Yes. Agreed. Okay, so let's say a woman uses diet and lifestyle to become pregnant. So she's she's got everything dialed in. She's doing, you know, she's on a ketogenic diet. She's got good healthy fats coming in. Her digestion's good. She's and everything's just fire in the way it should be. And all of a sudden, she becomes pregnant. Now, what should yes. she do? Is that okay I, to continue keto? If there's something else she should be doing, does she need to cut fats back now? And so my question would be. Why should she cut fat back? The what her diet was so healthy that she got pregnant on it, mm-hmm. right? Okay, and so I, again, let's go back in time thirty thousand years. What did the average human woman have to eat when she got pregnant? The ketogenic diet. Right. She ate what they ate whatever they could catch. They would eat some green stuff if it was in season, if they could find it. Once she, once a year, she would really eat some fruit because because that's all she could find. It was once a year. Every two or three years, they would find a honey tree and they would eat that. But on a daily basis, on a daily basis, they ate as much fat as they could get their hands on. They ate as much protein as they could find and and they ate as much green stuff as they could find. But there probably wasn't very much. Mm -hmm. So she that like literally that is the diet that we've eaten all during every pregnancy for the last thousand generations. And so for some uh, authority, and I put that in air quotes. So for Mm -hmm. some authority to say, oh, that could be dangerous for your baby, Mm -hmm. it's just ignorant. I mean, what about all of the Inuit babies that were raised in a a womb where the mom ate nothing but fat and protein? That's all she ate. 
Mm-hmm. And somehow she was able to carry that baby to term and it was a healthy baby. And then she breastfed that baby for three or four years on nothing but a, a fat and protein diet. How did, how was that possible if the ketogenic diet is in any way bad for a pregnant mother or a lactating mother? And I think it's silly to say that it's bad. Yes, I agree. And, you know, they, I, um, I kind of, it just kind of makes me, I mean, really not laugh isn't the right thing because it actually kind of makes me angry. But when you hear somebody else say, well, that ketogenic diet, that's no good when if you're, if you get pregnant or you're breastfeeding because you're leaving out all these essential carbohydrates, how are you going to produce milk with all these, without all these essential carbohydrates? That stuff just makes me crazy. (laughs) Well, it's ridiculous because you know what, you know, the human breast milk is like 50% fat. Yes. Like it's the high, one of the highest fat breast milks of any mammal, super high in fat. And I think that's because we're humans. We need a lot of fat, yes. especially when we're trying to grow this, this human brain and, and to help this baby grow and get up on, on, on his or her feet as quickly as possible. That's why breast milk is 50% fat. Okay. You know, cow milk is 4% fat. Wow. Okay, that whole milk is about four to five percent milk fat, milk fat. Human breast milk blows cow milk out of the water with fat percentage because human beings naturally need more fat. Mm-hmm. We have big I mean, brains. Yeah, we have a huge brain. <laughs> Our and brain, the brain needs the fat. That's what it's built that's out right, of. That's people, right. People I, don't and a lot of your listeners that. may not know, but the human yes. brain is made of fat. That's mm-hmm. what it's made of. And so how, how do you think you're going to build this baby's brain on a low-fat diet? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when I was um, – when, when I had my first son – um, it was in uh, 2001 he was born. So when I had my first son, I remember thinking, um, you know, I, I actually was very caught. I was very cognizant of my diet and I tried very hard to eat very well, which was lots of whole grains and lots of fruit and low fat and keep everything, you know, as, as um, proper as I could according to the standard American diet and what my OB, right. you know, told me I should be doing. And that when I was, um, I had, first of all, I had issues, uh, producing breast milk, but, but I was able to, uh, enough that I was able to nurse him, but he was always miserable and cried all the time and, and spit up all the time and just had, it was just awful. And eventually my milk dried up. And so I had to switch him over to formula, which was a whole nother set of issues but right. at this time, I didn't understand what I know now about nutrition. And so I was just, I could not understand what was going on with him and, and never crossed my mind even one time that it could have anything to do with me or my diet or what I, because I was doing everything, you know, air quotes, right. I mean, yes. I did everything I was supposed to be doing. And yes. um, he, they ended up putting him on Zantac for spitting up. This is a baby. He was on Zantac. Um, yeah, that happens yeah. for as long, I mean, six months to a year he was on it. And finally, uh, he stopped the spitting up and now, um, he is the, I mean, I really feel like if I could go back in time, I mean, it, it was malpractice. I mean, that, it makes me so upset to think about that, that doctor yes. 
told me to give that to my son. And now, you know, I don't know how much of this is directly related to what he goes through now, but that same son has had H. pylori infection. He has stomach acid issues. He has digestive issues. He has gluten intolerance. He has, I mean, you know what? It's just all these issues that he has. And I think back about that and I'm like, well, they, because they made me destroy his digestive system when he was just a a newborn. Right. And they set you up for failure as a breastfeeding mother by keeping you on this low fat diet when your, your breast milk is made of fat. Mm -hmm. And what you just said triggers me. I mean, it really pisses me off Mm -hmm. more than you can ever know that there are so many women who blindly trust their OBG. Yes. And it's not that their OBG is evil. He just doesn't know any better and he doesn't take the time to learn. But I mean, we, we were taught in, in med school that human breast milk is 50% fat. We're all taught that. But then I, it's almost like doctors think that something magical happens inside the human body. Like you can just put Twinkies and Cheetos in there and then magic happens and this beautiful, perfectly formed breast milk comes out. Right. And that just ain't the way it is. Mm-hmm. You know, even uh, Any vet knows that if you don't feed a dog the right diet, the dog's going to have medical problems and have you know bad litters. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's just known. But somehow humans are magic. That just doesn't happen to us in, in the average doctor's mind. And there are so many women who fail at breastfeeding because they just can't make breast milk because of the stupid diet they're on. Yeah. And then this poor baby is punished for the doctor's ignorance by being put on this foreign substance, this formula. And I'm sorry, and I don't want to offend anybody out there, but formula is the furthest thing from breast milk on this planet. Yes, yeah. Real human breast milk is not a liquid. It is a living tissue. Mm -hmm. There are so many things in breast milk. There 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 are prebiotics in breast milk that the baby cannot use at all. It's not for the baby. It's for the bacteria that the baby got in the birth canal. It feeds that bacteria and helps his gut to form. There's a wonderful book that you may or you probably already know about it. It's called Unlatched. Yes. And I forget the author's name, but I love that book because she basically goes into it. And a lot of there's a lot of backlash because a lot of mothers are offended when they're told that they did things wrong. But I'm not saying the mom's it's not her fault. It's the stupid doctor's fault who gave the mom the advice. Mm-hmm. It's but, Unlatched, yeah, you're, you're, but it's uh, Jennifer Grayson. That's it, Jennifer Grayson. Yep, I I'll, freaking I'll put a love link to that. that book. If I haven't reviewed that, I'll review that in the coming week or two because I love that book. But if you're trying to get pregnant, you need to read that book now. And mm-hmm. then you need to be eating the ketogenic diet so that when the time comes, I mean, the, the success rate of breastfeeding skyrockets when you are eating the right diet because you can actually make the milk that you're, you can make enough milk and make the milk that your baby needs. Right. And And so, yeah, yeah. like you said, your son was so irritable and it's because Mm -hmm. you were giving him basically this skim milk and he's like, what the hell is this? Where's the fat? Yeah. My brain needs fat. Yeah. I mean, I was, obviously I was giving him like basically water, I'm sure, because I didn't have enough, I didn't have enough resources. I mean, I, I, I probably didn't, I probably barely had enough resources to become pregnant. And then once I did get pregnant, everything I had was used to build and grow this other human being. And then by the time I got around to breastfeeding, there was probably literally almost nothing left to even build the breast milk. And then I didn't help myself any because I kept eating this horrible 
diet that were recommended to eat. And and quite frankly, it was probably even worse than ever because now I had the baby. So now I'm thinking, okay, now I got to lose this weight, which is impossible to lose because the only way in our standard American diet to lose any weight is to cut calories and eat less and exercise more. Well, if you're a new mom and you're trying to produce breast milk and you're already stressed because you're already not sleeping well, you can't cut calories and you can't exercise and you can't eat less. You have to, your body needs that nutrition, but exactly. it's just gotten so screwed up. <laughs> and here's a, here's a good story for listeners. If they think that magic happens in the human body, the average OBGYN in America today thinks that women don't produce any vitamin D in their breast milk. That's just a known thing. I was taught that in my intern year as a resident physician. Oh, you have to give the baby vitamin D drops because moms don't produce vitamin D in their breast milk. And at the time, I was like, what the hell? What? That doesn't make any sense based on us having been on this planet for hundreds of thousands of years, right? Right. Who who was making the the, The the vitamin vitamin D D drops drops, (laughs) back then, right? You went to your local Stonehenge pharmacy and got those? (laughs) What the hell? But I didn't have time to argue. And you don't really argue when you're an intern. You just shut up and do as you're told. But I found out later there was actually a doctor in the Carolinas who also thought that was stupid. And he did a a research study with a lot of women in it. And he found out that when you give a woman 6,000 international units of vitamin D a day, which in in the average standard American diet, there's maybe 400 units, maybe Mm -hmm. 400. And and we need about five to 10,000 units a day. When you give a woman who's breastfeeding 6,000 units or more a day, guess what she makes in her breast milk in copious amounts? Vitamin D. Vitamin D. Absolutely. (laughs) And so all these doctors, and so... That that proves that what you eat matters. Yes. Your breast milk doesn't just magically somehow miraculously turn into what your baby needs. All your body can do is use what you've given it to make the breast milk the best breast milk it can. Yes. But it could be so much better if you're giving your body what it needs to make the perfect breast milk. Yes. And I, and I, what I don't under, I mean, I know this now. And so I feel really, you know, I get, I try not to get too hard on myself, but I feel really stupid and I get mad sometimes at myself. I think back about, you know, I had more babies after that first one and did the same stupid stuff, you know, and, and struggled breastfeeding all three of my boys. And, um, had just had a really hard time with that. And now that I look back on it, I just think, gosh, Jess, if you had just used your brain a little bit and thought through this stuff, yeah. that it would have made sense. Like, I mean, cause they'll even tell you, I mean, any breastfeeding mom knows that you, you don't drink alcohol because right. if you drink alcohol, you're going to give that, it's going to be passed through your breast milk to your baby. Well, if you know that, and you know that what you're eating and drinking is what's making up your breast milk, why do you not think that eating good, healthy fats and, and good, healthy animal products and protein, why do you not think that that is also going to be passed on to your baby? Exactly you know, right. I'm not and building this, a cow that eats grass. Right, right, like exactly. I'm trying to build a human being with a big, awesome, functioning brain that, and cells that need cholesterol and need fat. Yes. So, and that vitamin D story I just told you, that that was one of the very first things that really made me decide to write the book. And it's there's actually a chapter in the book about that vitamin mm-hmm. D lie that doctors tell women, oh, you don't make vitamin D. You need this drop mm-hmm. for your baby. And I've got a video about it on the YouTube channel if anybody wants to hear more about that story. But 
It's just ridiculous yeah. that a doctor and, you know, and just let's think about who are doctors. They're supposed to be the experts on the care and feeding and nutrition and health of human beings. But they don't even know that you've got to ingest vitamin D to make vitamin D in your breast milk. Mm-hmm. Really? Come on. Come on. Right. <laughs> wow. And you want to call yourself an expert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that's it's basic. Yes, it is basic. It's very frustrating. Yes. And so even though moms like you can't go back in time, you can't fix it. You have to just forgive yourself. You didn't know better. It wasn't your fault. It was your idiot doctor's fault. Mm -hmm. Now all you guys can do is share this message with as many young women and young mothers as you can and say, honey, don't listen to that. You eat this and you do this and Mm -hmm. you, you breastfeed that baby as long as you can. And don't you dare give that baby formula if you can help it. Because mm-hmm. it's not anywhere close to breast milk. It's not even in the same ballpark as breast milk. And yes. so that's all women like you can do. You're stuck. You can't yeah. go back in time. All you can do is happen to the future and help future mothers not make the same mistakes by sharing this message. Yeah, I totally agree. And that that is my mission, let me tell you. That's what you're doing. That's what <laughs> all, you're doing right now. All of the things that I have made, I am trying to help others learn by my mistakes. <laughs> Yes. Just let me get the information out there. Let me save you a whole lot of trouble because I have been Absolutely. there and done that. <laughs> but people like you, the, the work you're doing with this podcast and the other stuff you do and with the YouTube videos that you're about to start making, Jessica. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My channel's a little uh, dead because there's Listen, not a video I, I, on there. <laughs> I, I thought I'd seen a couple of videos that you had done. No, you know what? I may have put one out there, but yeah. I am like... I'm so bad at I'm just so bad at all the social media stuff to be honest. Listen, with you. <laughs> no, no, no. You're about to get some Dr. Berry advice. You need to shut up and start making YouTube videos. The end. That's it. <laughs> all right, Dr. Berry, I will take that advice. <laughs> listen, listen, I love being on your podcast and all the people listening reach out to me. I love answering questions. So does Jessica. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll come back anytime, Jessica. If you want me to back, I'll be happy to come back. We can talk about anything you want to. Uh, and you know, if you get a list of questions from your listeners, I'll come back. We'll do question and answer. We can do call in question and answer. I don't care because there's so many women out there who are suffering and the answer to their suffering is so simple, but they just haven't been given the answer. Yeah, I agree. Well, I really appreciate you being on here today and taking your time out. I know you're super busy and I just really appreciate it so much. So, um, yeah, I am going to, I'm going to take you up on that challenge and I think I'll reach out. Let me, um, let me see what my listeners have for you and maybe we'll have another one where we can just answer a bunch of listener questions that, um, they want to, they want to hear an MD, tell them what, what's the deal, what's up. So in the meantime, can you let everybody know like how they can reach you, where they can find you on social media and whatnot? So I've really got four ways that I help people. I've got the book on Amazon. It's Mm -hmm. in paperback and Kindle. It's called Lies My Doctor Told Me. And as you can tell, I get a little triggered when doctors Mm -hmm. give patients crap advice. Mm -hmm. Secondly, (laughs) I'm on YouTube. And if you just search Dr. Ken Berry, I think I'm the first hit now. And then also on Facebook, uh, Dr. Ken Berry will find me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have, I, I'm, I do medical coaching on e-visit and there's a link on all my stuff. If you want to do that with me where I can, I, we can talk about everything we just talked about, but in more detail, more personal detail. Mm-hmm. And I don't give medical advice on that app. It's just medical coaching, but still, I think a lot of people can get a lot of help from that. Yes. I and then that, I'm also, yeah. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, but mm-hmm. the main effort is on uh, YouTube and Facebook. 
and then more and more so on the e-visit with just one-on-one medical coaching. Yeah, and they can find you at Ken Bear, KenDBerry.md on Instagram, I believe. I one think of, that's right. Yes. One of my Instagram yes, that's buddies right. there. So <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right. Well, it's I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on here. And uh, we will definitely look forward to having you back again next time when we can talk about some more awesome stuff that you can set everybody straight on, Dr. <laughs> thank Barry. You, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. I love what you're doing, Jessica. Keep up the good work and I'll look forward to seeing those YouTube videos. All right. I'll get right on that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Wow, guys, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to that interview as much as I enjoyed doing it. Just really love um, Dr. Barry. He's a real class act. It was great to have him on and just have his information shared with everyone. So just to kind of reiterate what we did talk about a little bit in that episode is um, I would love to have him back on and I would love to have some questions from you guys. So if there are things that you would like for Dr. Barry to answer specifically regarding keto and health, things that uh, you would love to hear a doctor answer, please go ahead and send me those questions. You can send them to me on Facebook. You can get me at facebook.com forward slash Jessica Ty Nutrition. Or you can send them to directly to me via email. It's jessica at jessicatide.com. If you want to send me some things, just label the email or the message on Facebook, question for Dr. Barry, and then I will pull all those aside and we'll have him on again and we'll get some of these questions answered for him. As soon as you want to send them in, the sooner the better. That's great. We get enough uh, compiled here quickly, then I'll go ahead and get him on quickly and we'll get some of those questions answered. So before I go today, I did want to add, I did want to read one message that I got through Instagram and I just wanted to address it because it's something that has been coming up a lot lately and it's probably been a little while since I've talked about it and I know I have talked about it in previous episodes, but it's probably been a little while so I just kind of wanted to reiterate it and get it back out there because I think it's something important to make sure that we're all keeping in mind, especially um, you know when we're trying to do this lifestyle and this way of eating. So um, the uh, person writes, question, do you use ketone strips or anything similar? Or did you in the beginning? Super random, but I actually live right down the road from you. My boyfriend found you on Instagram because he's obsessed with your Fisker. I'm going to be switching to a keto way of eating, and I'm finding mixed reviews about using the ketone strips. So um, that was a fun message for me to get. So I did respond to her and answered the question, but... Um, and for those of you listening that are not aware or maybe have not seen on my Instagram, um, a Fisker is she's referring to as a Fisker Karma. So it is a it's officially a, a hybrid vehicle, but it's what's called a series hybrid. So um, that works much like a locomotive. So it is actually an all electric car. But I do have the ability to switch over to gas um, powered generator in that vehicle. So then it will replenish my battery cells while I'm driving. But um, yeah, it's kind of my, it's my baby right now, but um, probably going to have to be saying goodbye to her soon. We've uh, just got too many irons in the fire, as Dr. Ken says, too many things going on. And um, I was giving a lot of time to that car. It's actually a, um, it's a show car for me. It's uh, kind of a a really rare vehicle. And um, I won um, some pretty prestigious uh, shows with that vehicle um, in the last couple of years. And it's been a really fun ride, but um, 
And I just love driving it. I actually took it out yesterday. The weather's been so nice. It's been really cool. But so it's fun that somebody, because of that car, um, was able to kind of uh, connect into this ketogenic lifestyle. I think that's a that's a really fun connection. You just never know what's going to bring somebody to their best health. But so um, without going on and on about the car, which I could probably talk about for an entire podcast episode, <laughs> I will spare you guys that. And um, just to answer her question for you guys, and just as a reminder, yes, in the beginning, um, I think I've talked about on here before, I did use the ketone strips. And I think it's okay in the beginning. And by the beginning, I mean like probably no longer than maybe the first six weeks that you are trying to be ketogenic it's okay. It can give you an idea of whether or not you are producing ketones. But what we need to remember is when you are, when, when you're picking up those ketone bodies on that urine strip, those are ketone bodies that you are not utilizing. You are, you are eliminating them out of your body. So it can tell you when you're becoming fat adapted that your body is actually producing those ketones and it can tell you if you're good at producing them. So it can give you an idea of whether or not you are um, on the right track. You're eating maybe the right macros for you and, and you are switching over to actually producing ketones and hopefully the enzymatic processes are happening that need to happen in your body and you will be able to start becoming a fat burner and running on those ketones. But what I always tell people is, and this is the question I've been getting a lot lately, is I will have, um, you know, I get dozens and dozens of messages. And if you are one of those people that's written to me, I, I please know that I really do try to answer everything that I can. Um, I do try to reach back out, but sometimes things slip through the cracks and I am working on getting an assistant to help me manage all of those. But if you have written to me and have not gotten an answer, please follow back up and, you know, let me know, Hey, I just didn't know if you saw this and, um, you know, I will not take offense to that. I'm uh, happy to, to get back to everybody I can. But one of, um, one of the themes that I've been seeing coming in, in these dozens of emails and messages that I get over and over and over is um, a lot of times women saying, here's my macros, this is what I weigh, this is how old I am, and this doesn't seem to be working. I don't feel good, I'm, I'm not losing weight, I you know, wanted to do this and it's not happening, and why am I not doing this? I'm, my macros are perfect. Um, or sometimes they're not perfect, but they're just saying, you know, I'm following this, I'm following that. This is where it comes in where number one, if you're not testing, you do not know. So you can't, you cannot just eat macros. You cannot just say, well, I'm eating 75% fat, 20% protein and 5% carbs. So I'm in ketosis. It just doesn't work that way. We are all individual. That is a good template to start with. And that's a good way to try and push yourself um, that direction but that may not necessarily work for you. There are so many factors that go into whether or not your body is going to get into ketosis following those macros. So if you are not testing, there's no way you can possibly know if you're in ketosis. And if you are feeling like junk and um, going through all of these issues, then there could be a lot of things going on, but one of those things going on is probably more than likely that you are not in ketosis. You are probably in this stage in between where your carbs are super, super low or lower than you've ever had them before and you are 
upping your fat and maybe your fat's not high enough, but you're in this process where your body is like, it cannot switch from carb burner to fat burner. It's, it's trying to make this change, but you're not supporting it enough potentially to be able to help it make those. I mean, there's so many enzymatic processes that happen. And if you can't help your body make that jump, then you just kind of stay in this limbo land of um, not being able to do it. So um, I really, really urge you to get a blood ketone meter. That is what I like to use the best. Um, I don't measure my ketones very often anymore because I just know, uh, you know, I just know what I know. And I know that what I'm, you know, I eat very intuitively now and I know that I'm good, but when you're first trying to get into this, and I would say for the first, you know, several months, maybe six months or so, you know, you should be testing your blood ketones, figuring out what works for you, what throws you out of ketosis, what gets you into ketosis, you know, how, how's your body managing this? And it's super important. So I have no affiliation whatsoever with this company or brand, but I highly recommend the Keto Mojo. Um, I believe the website is bestketonemeter.com, and I will link to that in the show notes. But that is the one that I use. It is inexpensive. You can also get glucose strips for it, and you can test your blood glucose, which I think is also super important to know what your blood glucose looks like. Um, so definitely recommend that there are breath ketone meters you can get as well. I have done the ketonics before, so, um, I know that is one that's out there and I believe I've talked about it in a a few episodes back. Um, I believe with Jimmy Moore, he brought up that there is a new breath ketone meter out there and I will try to find that information and link that in the show notes as well. So if you would prefer to do breath, maybe you don't want to, you know, do the, the finger stick and, and that freaks you out. So you'd rather do the breath. That's fine. I'll link to those, but, um, there are ways to do it, but definitely doing the ketone strips, uh, you know, the urine strips for any length of time outside of the first month, maybe month and a half is really just not going to be beneficial to you. So, Highly recommend changing that up and trying something different. But please just keep in mind, if you are not testing and you are having problems, then you do not know that you are in ketosis. So you you just cannot blame it on the diet or, you know, that just, you know, people give up. They say, oh, the ketogenic diet didn't work. I just felt terrible. You know, I had all these issues going on. Um, you probably aren't in ketosis. So, um, and then there, like I said, there's so many other things. I spend a lot of my time, you know, answering people with, you know, just explaining to them that if you're trying to do this way of eating, but you don't have good, uh, you know, you don't have good HCL production and you can't break down the protein, then this is not going to work very well for you. You know, you're going to end up, um, probably bloated and and just feeling bad and uh, constipated and whatever. If you can't digest the fats that you're bringing in, you know, in this diet, you're upping your fats, um, you know, quite significantly over what you were probably eating before. If you can't digest those fats because you don't have good bile flow, then you're probably going to end up nauseous and, um, you know, potentially with diarrhea or constipation or, you know, gas and bloating and all these terrible things. And you're just, you know, you're going to feel run down and because you're not getting the energy, you're not able to pull the energy out of these foods that you're eating. So it's just, it makes you feel really bad. There's also outside of those digestive issues, there's also um, mineral deficiencies and vitamin deficiencies that will have you feeling very depleted and very bad. And we keep in mind that 
carbohydrates are largely broken down in your mouth with uh, the amylase production in your saliva. And so you're breaking that stuff down quite effectively before it even gets into, you know, your internal digestive tract where all of these other issues can happen. So if, if you're, you know, your system's kind of out of, uh, been out of play for a while, either from eating poor fats or, um, you know, that's now got your, your bile, uh, is kind of gunked up and not working properly, or you're not eating good fats, you've been eating low fat, um, or you've been eating low calories, low protein, those types of things, you need to give your body support to help build those processes back up so that now you can start moving to a diet like this and a lifestyle like this, that, that really does will help you support all of those functions, but you can't go from not doing it for years or for your entire life. And then all of a sudden try to eat more properly and then expect your body to just be able to handle it. You know, we've taught our bodies to cope with what we've been feeding them. And so that's what they have learned to do. So we just kind of need to support them and help our bodies heal and get back to where they should be. And then things will start moving a lot better. So I hope that kind of helps clear that question up a little bit. And I'm sure we'll address that again in the future. But just wanted to put that little reminder out there. And um, thanks again for that Instagram message. Um, if you're listening to this uh, listener, thanks for sending that in. I know you know who you are. And I appreciate that. Gave me a good opportunity to share it with everybody else and uh, get the word out there. Okay, guys, so that's all I have for this week. Be sure to uh, look me up on social media. You can follow me on Instagram. I am at that keto blonde on there. Facebook, like I mentioned before, that is facebook.com forward slash Jessica Thai Nutrition. You can go to my website and learn more about me. It's jessicatai.com. And I guess that's about all I have for you guys for this week. So I look forward to seeing you guys or having you guys listen next week. I think we'll do a uh, listener question episode next week. I've got quite a few things that people have been writing in about. And I think I'm just going to keep it more basic keto stuff. Um, got a lot of just kind of the going back to basics questions. So look forward to that episode next Tuesday. And until then, I hope you guys have a great week. And I'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. This episode of Keto Lifestyle was brought to you by Mobile Mutations. Mobile Mutations is an app development, software development company based out of Cincinnati, Ohio, that is able to evolve your ideas to the next level. Whether you're a small business or a large corporation looking to get app ideas or put together a new portfolio for your online presence, please visit the website at mobilemutations.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we shared with you today and are looking forward to the next episode.